0: Welcome to The Momentologist. I'm your host, Dr. Mitch Ablett. When you get right down to it, the raw matter, the ingredients of our lives are moments. Those who learn to study these moments and yet stay fully engaged are what I call momentologists, meta-professionals who resonate with the now of present moments to create, connect, innovate, and lead. Join me in these conversations with authors, researchers, change agents, and influencers, and learn momentology. Learn how moments don't have to just happen to you. You can learn to study them, to make them. All right, everyone, welcome to the next episode of The Momentologists. I'm here with Elena Shigano. And Alina and I met back uh, not long ago, less than a month ago, mm-hmm. at the Psychotherapy Networker Conference in Washington D.C., which was very awesome to be live uh, for a, a, a conference again. It had been since pre-COVID for me.
1: Yeah, and even and no masks,
0: no masks, even though our uh, the the workshop that I did with my friend Chris Willard, you know, you know was you know, virtual, you know, you know, there were people that we could interfaith, interfaith, (laughs) (laughs) interfaith. This was a non-denominational conference. I'm sure there
1: was some interfaith going on.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm not one for slips of the tongue. That was interesting. All right. But let me, let me give your background, Alina. Alina is a psychotherapist and she is the owner of a group practice in Virginia Beach, Coastal Light Counseling, she is an expert in narcissistic abuse, which is a very interesting topic to me as a psychologist, as a therapist, and, uh, and talking with uh, Alina in, uh, at the conference, I learned a lot about her perspectives on the issues uh, related to you know, being in a relationship with or working with someone with a narcissistic mm-hmm personality patterns. And I think she's got a really fresh and interesting and pragmatic take on how to understand and um, deal with, you know, people with these really destructive uh, personality patterns. Um, she, she's she got a book that she's told me quite a bit about that she uh, is has written, right? It's written.
1: Yeah, it's written. Uh, I just need to publish it.
0: There you go. It's got a very cool title, Swimming with Sharks, Surviving Narcissist-Infested Waters, which is a very, very uh, cool title. Thank so you. Alina, welcome to uh, the podcast. It was awesome to meet you and awesome to have you on, on the show with me.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Mitch. I appreciate it. And if I may, I'm just going to uh, correct my name a little bit. Um, you almost had it. Oh, did
0: I did I butcher it again?
1: Just just a team of it, just a team so of it. Awesome. Welcome, so it's Alina Shiano.
0: Awesome. I was close. It was better You're than my first yeah. said it. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah. And I'm I'm a, a licensed professional counselor and psychotherapist. Yep. So yes. Just to be very very specific.
0: very specific. Yeah. Yeah. And and Virginia Beach, that is where my parents took us on vacation from rural Ohio when I was probably um I don't know eight or nine but I remember years ago uh, yeah 20 years yeah right (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's I remember it as a lovely area I'm sure it's changed a little bit oh
1: my gosh it has changed a lot yeah especially in the last 20 years
0: tell me tell me tell me not about Virginia Beach, but tell me about this topic of narcissistic abuse what what draws someone into a focus on this?
1: Oh gosh. um okay, what so what drew me into it? Um, yeah. I have to say nothing in particular really drew me into it. It just was kind of breadcrumbs dropped that I just kept picking up. Um, and it I wound up, you know, specializing in it and over the years of, uh, educating myself and all the, you know, especially with the experience, because there hasn't, there's hardly anything out there. definitely when I started working Mm -hmm. with it, there was hardly anything out there in terms of material or resources for us to educate ourselves on, you know, as, as psychotherapists regarding narcissistic abuse. I mean, there's been a little bit, as you know, I'm, you know, narcissism, pathological narcissism, still not a great deal of that, but, um, but practically nothing on narcissistic abuse. So a lot of what I know came from, you know, experience learning on the job. Yeah. Um, learning from my patients, you know, some trial and error kind of stuff. Um, yep. But, but yeah, it just, uh, I don't know, I just felt like I kept having patient after patient come in with um, issues that, ended up revealing, you know, come c- it came about that people had uh, that they had partners who were narcissistic, um, a little less frequently, parents who were narcissists, and sometimes yep. discovered that parents that they had parents who were narcissists after um, finding out that their partner wasn't was a pathological narcissist. And yep. I think I just realized, okay, I guess this is what I'm meant to uh, specialize in.
0: So you get referrals now specifically regarding this topic like I have somebody in my family I think this is what's going on then they reach out to you for understanding and intervention around it
1: yeah um so when I kind of realized okay this is this is going to be my thing and i updated my website, put it on there as one of my specialties, put it on psychology today. Then, yeah, I definitely started getting referrals, started becoming known as the, the therapist who worked with it. Uh, people started coming from a little bit further away, like, you know, like a little bit in, like North Maryland and North Carolina would drive to see me. Um, wow. But I actually stopped accepting new patients about a year and a half ago because uh-huh. um. I needed to well I was you know focusing on running the practice, expanding the practice training um, new uh, clinicians who are working for me on narcissistic abuse and yeah. um, and then working on the book too that's very time consuming
0: and yes, so it is.
1: <laughs> so I'm I'm not I so when we receive referrals they're at this point you know to the practice um, and then I you know I share them with the other clinicians and I help work with them and make sure that they are, um, you know, that they're helping as best as they can, you know, with it and that they're trained well-trained and educated yeah. in the topic.
0: So I have a question that might be popping in people's minds. Cause not everybody that's a listener for me is a clinician, um, you know, a lot of parents, a lot of yeah, know, different kinds of professionals, you know, I, I, th- I have my answer to this, my guess, but you're mm-hmm. more way more of an expert around this topic than me. Um, how often do the narcissists themselves come in for treatment?
1: Very rarely.
0: Yeah. I got rarely. it. I yeah. got it. Right. Yes. yes. Yep.
1: You got it. Right. You get a point. Um, yeah. It's, it's very rare. Usually when narcissists come in for treatment, it is for Something else is not because they're like, oh, I think I'm a narcissist. Let me go in and get some help for that. Like the rest yeah. of us do when we, you know, are like, oh, I have, you know, I, I'm depressed or I'm anxious or yes. you know, I'm having issues um, here or there. Typically, it's because of something else that is leading them in. So, most often, I think it's interpersonal relationship issues. So, typically with a partner where the partner says, okay, I really need you to go get some help because yep. this isn't working. And if you want to stay together, you got to get some help or they are severely depressed or something else is going on in their life that leads them to seek help for that particular thing. And then in turn, the therapist hopefully will realize that that's a factor.
0: Now, I, I can honestly say I've I mean, I I'm. Going to make a safe assumption i've got a much smaller n of people that have been in front of me that would be diagnosable with narcissistic personality disorder um than you likely have had and and yet i i can i can't remember anyone that even if i did have them you know diagnosed that way or at least conceptualized that way that they would have accepted that as a frame for understanding themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. that have you ever experienced that, that someone could actually, you know what, this does make sense. This is the, you know, a way of understanding what I struggle with.
1: Well, so the funny thing is, I, I can't say that I've actually worked myself with too many narcissists. Um, It's, you know, my specialty really is in working with the victims of narcissistic abuse. And so that has been, I would say, you know, 95, 98% of my experience. I have had the opportunity to work with a few when they've come in for couples counseling or when I've been working with the one partner and then they bring their partner in down the road and we incorporate some couples work. Um, There are times when I am... I'm unsure, you know, I, kind of suspect it from talking with, you know, my patient who is the partner or or the victim. And um, then they bring in their, their spouse. And in my experience, it's been, they've all been married. So they've been their spouse. And um, then I start to doubt because the partner that they've brought in Makes promises and seems to be accepting responsibility for what they've done. They may say I'm sorry, and yeah. they may show little bits of change. But each time that I've doubted and I've gone back and forth, inevitably down the road, and I'm talking like a couple years down the road, because um, the, my patients will, you know, come in and out. As I'm sure you've yeah. experienced, you know, they'll come to you for a while, then they'll take a break, then they'll come back. Um, yeah. It always turns out where something pretty significant confirms like like a divorce and really horrible treatment of of my patient you know
0: um
1: very 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 you know narcissistically abusive behavior um just the stuff that happens you know especially within divorces comes out and so uh so anyway so those are the rare occasions that i've i've had I, i think i've had a few patients here and there who've come to me for individual like i said for something else yeah. And I've ended up suspecting because you know, I'm sure as you know, like one of the common ways that we as therapists can tell, can, can end up figuring out if or like a red flag for whether yeah. someone is a narcissist or not, is based on how we're reacting to them. So if yes. we notice that we are getting, that we're really tired in a session or we're starting to dread sessions with them or we yes. start getting really irritated or aggravated or something that's really not our typical, yeah. you know? That's yeah. when we can commonly, you know, typically tell that, that someone might be a narcissist. Um, right. There, more goes into confirming or not. But I don't even try to confirm a diagnosis or not. I've, I stopped doing that a long time ago. I don't yes. worry about the personality disorder. I just look at what are the patterns of behavior.
0: Mm, That's important.
1: Yeah. And so that's why I talk about rather than narcissistic personality disorder, I talk about path. I just use the term pathological narcissism or pathological narcissist. Yes. um, Because that describes the pattern of personality traits and behaviors and um, just kind of how they treat others.
0: See, this, this This feels important to me. I mean, the, the, the name of the podcast is Momentologist, you know, moments, you know, mm-hmm. so the victims, these, you know, family members, partners are in these moments, these slices of time with these individuals. What is it that they can be noticing in these moments? What is it that is going to be in their experience you know, varies a bit from situation. You know, but what is it that mm-hmm. they can start being a student of that will tell them like, hey, this is a real thing that I'm experiencing. You know, I don't have to dismiss it. You yeah. know, I actually should take this in. What do, what do you say to that?
1: Uh, well, first of all, I love that question. No one has ever asked me that question, or at least they've never asked me a question that got me thinking about it this way. Um Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Momentology. It really works. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I think that something that would be great is the same thing that we focus on as therapists is for individuals to pay attention to their own inner experience. You know, what are they feeling? What are they thinking? What physiological responses are happening within the moment. You know, if they're noticing their heart is pounding more or their, you know, their fists are clenching, people clench their teeth or their palms are sweating, you know, your typical really panic anxiety reactions or anger reactions, Um, but not just those. I mean, but also, you know, racing thoughts, a lot of anxious thoughts, um, uh, questioning of self, just yeah is there is there
0: I'm, a i i'm gonna i'm gonna put this out there from having worked myself with people that have been you know just round and around the block with these individuals mm-hmm. that if they ha- if you have the experience in the moment of recognition mm-hmm. oh my god i've been on this roller coaster many many times yeah And that, but yet it's like, instead of just being lost in it, if you can have a recognition, a growing recognition, Mm -hmm. I know this movie. Yeah. This movie sucks. Mm -hmm. I've been down, I've been in this theater over and over again. I, what, you know, something like that, where that can be a tool. Like I've been in this, I've been in this theater many times.
1: Yeah. You know, you you made me think of, um, so if I get, you know, bring in the, the concept of the shark, you know, where my title of my book comes from and you think about, think about being in the moment and recognizing what's going on. You know, let's, let's use that analogy and consider, okay, if someone is in the water swimming out in the ocean and they see a fin pop above the water, they're, I mean, what are they going to do? You know, they're Mm going to,
0: you're not going to lay back and just, you know,
1: keep chill. wondering, right? Yeah. Right. You're, you're going to get yourself to safety first and then look back and say, oh, okay. You know, yes, that was a shark or ah, that was a dolphin. I guess I overreacted a little bit, you know, I can get yes. back in, but um, you know, but it's still in that moment, I think trusting your intuition yeah. and acting on that. And too often. People act out of self-doubt and fear. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than love for themselves.
0: Ooh, that's really important.
1: Yeah, it really so th- is. Th- th-
0: this is where my whole, you know, moment focus comes in because you know habit, habit patterns, you know. They put us on autopilot. So we actually are not making a moment. It's just, things are just happening. Mm -hmm. We're just reacting. But when you actually are aware, oh my God, I see that fin. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this Jaws movie many, many times. And I'm freaking out over here. Mm -hmm. I can feel it in my body. And I can even notice the thought saying you know maybe i'm wrong maybe i can fix this person or whatever oh that's part of the movie i need to get out of this theater right i i need to take some action right now you know that that to me it's like you you have to come out of the autopilot of the the habits that get built up right yeah yeah
1: yeah i think I think what has happened is society has has played its own movie that doesn't go quite like Jaws. And that's why I want to use the analogy of a shark because I want people to start thinking of narcissists like they do sharks because yeah. then they react and they trust their gut and they trust, they trust their instinctual fear, which is a healthy fear. Mm. But what happens when we're talking about, you know, relationships and interpersonal interactions is for some reason we are taught or the we receive these messages over and over to doubt ourselves and to you said it earlier you know to feel like okay we can fix this person or yes. we can help them fix themselves or we can um we can wait around or we need to wait around for them to change and yes. you know, you'd never wait around for a shark to change.
0: Yeah, I, I, I hope you know the agent and editor don't push the shark analogy away from your book. Because well, I, it will
1: be a shell of a book then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because, because it's, I, I like the frame that you have. Um, that it is yeah. a primal, natural fear. Yeah, and you didn't say this, but yeah, but I'll I'll say it and see what you say to it. It it doesn't mean that we should hate
1: yeah, sharks. No, exactly right. I talk about that in the book. Yes, good. Exactly. Good. Yeah, because I I do. I talk about how you know, as as great as Jaws was, you know, it 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 did damage. Um, unfortunately to the shark population and our ecosystem. And that is not at all what I want to happen. You know, I don't want to damage our ecosystem and people to start hating narcissists because, you know, sharks are beautiful creatures and and they're an important part of our ecosystem and we need to appreciate them for what they are, not go around killing them because we're afraid of them. And, you know, narcissists, every narcissist is someone's child, you know, potentially someone's sibling, someone's partner, someone's parent, you know, they're, they're humans and they're important, yeah. you know, they, they have value as humans. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, for, for the various reasons that we may or may not get into today, you know, they've, they've developed, um, these personality patterns and these, you know, interpersonal interaction patterns, yep. um, but that doesn't diminish their worth as a human being and so i definitely am not trying to condemn them just getting wanting people to get to a place of accepting them exactly as they are because yes. i mean we all want to be accepted as we are um, but unfortunately you know sometimes people have some really unhealthy characteristics as narcissists do
0: yeah
1: and Because narcissists are going to end up being unwilling to change. Not that they can't. A lot of people will say that they can't. I disagree with that because they are human. So I believe it is in their nature to be able to change. But the very nature of pathological narcissism ends up kind of rendering them in a place where they won't be willing to change. Yeah. So because of that.
0: That's that's just to jump in on that. That is a very important nuance
1: mm-hmm
0: because I'm, I'm sure i've said it out loud before that person is a narcissist you know or they have npd you know throughout the you know as a as a mental health professional you throw that out there whether you're working with them or not you mm-hmm. you observe someone in the media well they have npd and then it has more certainty mm-hmm. but it creates this in stone quality like they can't change mm-hmm. and yet you're making the point that while well, they they don't deserve hate that never helps.
1: No, it doesn't.
0: They they are human beings, therefore there is changeability, and the nature of their dysfunction makes it very unlikely, very less much less likely they will seek the conditions that would facilitate change. Mm-hmm. That's a really important nuance, I think. Yeah. So you 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 recommend and you work to help people accept the sharpness um what is it that that leads to you know or what does it look like to begin accepting it what does it lead to
1: can you say that again i'm sorry
0: yep what does it mean for them to be accepting the narcissist as they are you know the narcissist in their life and then what does that lead them to do
1: uh heal that's the that's the quick answer um to that is one that's kind of a foundational part of healing and, um, and then forgiving yeah. and not necessarily in the sense of staying with the person. I, that that's a very individual choice. A lot of, a, a lot of, um, uh, messages you'll see out there heavily emphasize leaving the narcissist, um, going no contact, things like that. Yep. I, you know, I've, I've talked, about this before. I I don't, I don't feel like that's, that's a a fair thing to put pressure on someone for, um, but I'm kind of digressing, but, um, but yeah, but accepting allows a person to simply see the person, see the narcissist as they are and stop trying to get them to change and, or stop waiting around for them to change. Because that's where so much of the frustration happens. And that's where so much of the hurt and the pain happens and the disappointment. Yeah. Because especially when you're, you know, when, when you're the child of a narcissist or you're the partner of a narcissist, yeah. it ends up, you know, really hurts because it feels like, it feels like they don't care about you. It feels like they're not mm. choosing you. It feels like they're not accepting you. It feels yeah. like they don't love you. And that's painful. And that's where so much of the hurt and the pain comes from. But if we can just accept, and I mean, I think this is an important concept across the board, even outside of um, narcissistic relationships. You know, I, yeah. This is something I advocate for parents to do with their children, for every single partner to do within you know, their relationships. Is, uh, and, and really, I think just as humans, I think it would, honestly, it would really do a lot of healing in the world if we would just work on accepting each other as we are and accepting ourselves as we are.
0: I I I think that's beautiful and very well said and I those that have heard me speak and you know I, I I agree totally and the thing I would add is that acceptance true acceptance is a badass power move. <laughs> it is not passive Mm -hmm. it isn't a weakness right it isn't resignation or giving up Mm -mm. you know is is you know true acceptance is it's badass it is like i can't control this and and that is painful Mm -hmm. and i will the the analogy i always have in my mind i'll lay back in this quicksand because i can't control that i'm in it yeah. In this moment and I'm just going to go buoyant
1: mm-hmm. because
0: to struggle and try and make this quicksand not be here
1: makes you sink faster.
0: Yeah. And and that and then get still with it. Not that you're not going to act if you can or if a solution presents itself, right? Yeah,
1: or if like a stick comes out, someone holds yeah. a stick out to you, you're going to grab onto it to get out of the quicksand.
0: Yeah. And yeah. and let's not like Shove the narcissist under the quicksand. So, oh, yeah, no, can no, try and climb out. Right, no, nope, let's right. not do
1: that because that in itself would be a very narcissistic thing to do.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that's very important, you know, and I agree with you. Even outside of uh, narcissism, you know, acceptance is probably one of the key things that we need in the world. Like, really, just yeah. this is what is. I can't control it. Yep, I will act when I can control and change what I can but right now I'm gonna be in this discomfort
1: yeah it's it's a it's the ultimate gift of love I think you know it's an act of love to accept it's a beautiful thing
0: so is it an act of love for a family member who is you know perhaps after lots of iterations starting to really have clarity that they have a a narcissist in their family. Is it, you know, because you touched on it in terms of like breaking contact. Is it an act, can it be an act of acceptance, an act of love to say that's it? No more contact?
1: So what I will talk with people about is a balance of, is that loving, one person or loving oneself will not contradict. So like one loving act will not contradict another loving act.
0: Mm.
1: And that is just as important to make choices out of love for oneself as it is out of love for others. Mm. I think I even put a post on Instagram recently that said that people don't stay in abusive relationships out of love and compassion, even though that's why they think they are. Yep. They're staying in those relationships out of fear. And yes. love does a fantastic, I mean, fear does a fantastic job of masquerading as love. Uh, so,
0: that is really important, yeah.
1: Yeah, so really, really asking oneself and digging deep and, and saying, okay, is this really love or is this fear that looks like love? because that is what happens all the time in narcissistically abusive relationships and is very much the reason why people stay in them even after they recognize how unhealthy it is
0: so i don't know that i've ever heard that that frame before around love that it it is by you didn't use this word but it's bi-directional if it's Truly, a loving act.
1: Mm-hmm. It
0: is love toward the other and toward the self.
1: Well, it, it, yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know that I would even say that. It's, that's yeah. That's kind of tricky. I haven't really uh, framed it in my own mind in that way that it's necessarily always towards in both directions. I just don't think that one can contradict another.
0: like it's like philosophy class here. This is cool. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. But you know, I I. Yeah, as a mindfulness nerd
1: yeah i love philosophy
0: I, I do too i should have i should have changed my major a sixth time and majored in philosophy for a while <laughs> um that you know like love is synonymous with compassion can be is synonymous with awareness synonymous with yeah, you know, self-compassion so you know if, if you're creating a space distance no contact with someone who is over and over again been abusive you know narcissist he's mm-hmm. been abusive it may not look and feel loving to the narcissist that you're not responding to them yeah and yet it's self-loving right loving to other family members who are going to be impacted if you keep showing up to those interactions and then they feel pulled into it and you mm-hmm. around and around we go um, and yet I'll put this out there, even the narcissist, even though they will not necessarily have a narrative that you're loving, they'll actually more likely have a narrative you're rejecting. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, And yet might you be facilitating the conditions that make it more likely, not likely, but maybe more likely that they will have conditions that might facilitate change, but you have to let that go. Cause to try and make that happen is an acceptance, but I don't know. You know, there's a lovingness yeah. in there somewhere. Like I can't control and I'll let go that they'll actually get a wake up from this. And yet me saying done, maybe it will help them wake up, but I have to let that go. I'm going to focus on loving me, loving the others in the family. I'm not going to keep doing this.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I see where you're going with that, and that is definitely something that a lot of people in these relationships do try to. I think basically rationalize. You know, it, it's 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 a rationalization. It's it's a justification to to make themselves feel better about something that they otherwise feel guilty about. You know, they yes. feel guilty about setting those boundaries. They feel guilty about leaving, about saying no. I mean, oftentimes, you know, these are relationships that. I mean, aside, you know, aside from, you know, parent-child relationships, these could be marriages that have been going on for 20, 30 years. Yes. I, mean, even, if, I mean, even if you're talking about, you know, a few months, a year, two years, you know, they always feel like, a, you know, they're a very important part of your life. Um, yeah. So, so it's easy to feel guilty about uh, setting boundaries or ending it. Um, so people will want to tell themselves, well, this is this is good for them too, or even if they don't see it, this is loving for them too. But I would, I would encourage people to not go in that direction because I think that that's a slippery slope. And I think that that is heading into the territory of emotional codependence, mm. which I define in this context as taking ownership of a responsibility for the narcissist's emotional experience. Yep, and I think that that is is you know venturing into that realm of them taking ownership of or you know responsibility for the narcissist healing themselves. You know, saying, yeah. "Oh well, if I do this, it's it's loving to them because then they're more likely to heal." It's the same thing that we do with um, substance abusers. Yes, you know, having grown up with alcoholic parents myself, that's you know that was the cycle that I got wrapped up into was yep. okay if I do this maybe my mom will stop drinking. Yes. And, and that's that's a really it it wasn't until I went to counseling and my therapist taught me to accept my mom as she was and to accept the circumstance as she was and to stop trying to change my mom. Yep and stop trying to you know find tricky little ways to trick my yes. mom into changing. You know, it wasn't until I decided to just focus on myself and loving myself and setting those boundaries and, and focusing on my own inner health that this,
0: this is a nugget that I hope people take away. Cause I think I just demonstrated that even though I do this stuff, Mm -hmm. I can, you know, I and all of us can, the mind will do sneaky. Yep things to create a narrative mm-hmm. that goes against what i call momentology like if you're mm-hmm. really studying the moment you would you know oh you would do what you just did you would catch oh wait a second what is that actually now yeah. is that actually a loving act toward self mm-hmm to do that thing that has a condition attached to it that, you know, maybe, maybe around the narcissist. I, I think that's important. That's how, that's how, you know, important it is for us to be students of yeah. what we're, is happening in our bodies and minds.
1: Yeah. I love how you, how you, you know, you pointed that out because even those of us who are professionals, you know, we still, you know, we're still human and we still get caught up in the trappings of being a human and um, wanting to. That was uh, the
0: only time that's that's happened for me in about 10 years.
1: Yeah, that's the only time. Okay. I'm
0: glad it happened while I was on the
1: podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but the, yeah the, but I, no that's
1: that's it's that, that's such a good a good point to make and and something that i think is important i mean even you know even for me as as you know an expert in narcissistic abuse i mean i've i've hired narcissists you know without realizing it you know so grace is very important as well mm-hmm. so every, anyone listening like it's important to have grace for yourself if this is something you're struggling with because self-judgment is a huge part of narcissistic abuse.
0: Well, we could have another whole episode on the, the judgment, self-judgment yes. piece, yeah. which we will have to do that at some point because this is this feels very rich to me, very important. And I know from my own practice, that there are many, many people out there who are impacted, you know, by you know these, these issues. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you as a clinician, it's not, I mean, we know about it, we've heard about it in our training, and we know that these patterns exist. But to be honest, most of us as clinicians don't want to touch it.
1: Mm, yeah. We
0: That's have true. our own habit patterns of avoidance. We get, we get a hint that, oh, this family system has got these things, I don't want to deal with that. Or we launch in and try to deal with it in ways that are not really competent. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think this is massively important, what you're doing and, and trying to bring more awareness and compassion and grace to these yeah. issues. So, so thank you. And we'll, we're going to have to do a follow-up chat around this.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, if I can throw one more thing out there. Yeah, go for it. And you, you've heard me say this. I think the question, is it love or fear? And, you know, I think I, I told you at some point I'll have a podcast myself titled, Is It Love or Fear? It's
0: a great that title. That's, yeah. that's
1: the question. That's the key. Well, that can be the answer to almost anything that I've found so far and that I use every day in my life. Um, is, And it's so applicable to what we're talking about, because if you ask yourself, okay, is this coming from love or is it coming from fear? Or is this choice I'm going to make, you know, coming from love or is it coming from fear? Or is that person reacting to me out of love or fear? And Mm. that's the easiest way I have found to identify whether something is healthy or unhealthy. And so that's something I would love for your listeners to take away from this is just remember to ask yourself, is it love or fear?
0: Beautiful, love it. And I'm going to steal that left and right until you, you get it copyrighted, trademarked.
1: <laughs> I I'm, okay, I'm, I'm claiming copyright. Oh, right you,
0: you're already claiming it. <laughs> here's why- You can use why, it if
1: you give me credit.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Here's <laughs> why I like that. Because that and other really, really cool self-inquiries, they, it is a powerful, having a set of self-inquiries and that's a great one it is something you can have in a in a given moment to create and facilitate clarity, you know. And I, I think you know one that came to mind as soon as you said that, and I put this in one of my books, um, and used it as a refrain throughout. In this moment, am I willing to open or to close?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, it feels similar, like mm-hmm. yeah, am I going to open to what is? am I going to close it's not that closing is inherently always bad sometimes we 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 close up shop for a bit
1: yeah but but I I would guess that that would be that that would stem from fear yes and fear isn't always bad it's just you know it, it I mean it is a it's a natural instinctual emotion that can be very healthy but it can also be unhealthy. And then open sounds to me like love. It's a, a, a vulnerable way to be. And that's a loving way to be.
0: Love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't say fear it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Elena, awesome to chat with you again. Where where can people go to find out more about your work and you know this book that's going to be coming out?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, so probably the easiest way would be to go to linktree slash alina dot shiano. Um, I can spell it, or if you're gonna put it, I, in, I'll right? put it
0: in the show notes. Okay. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, because it it doesn't it's not spelled like how it sounds, and it doesn't sound yep. like how it's spelled. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, go to linktree slash alina dot or um, Instagram. My, you know. Uh, I don't know what's it called a handle I <laughs> yeah yeah
0: and I, and as I told you before I hit record you know Alina folks has an awesome Instagram thing going on oh, you know so you. yeah so you, you have to check out because she's yeah that's a that's a real great way to you know look into more of some of these themes that we didn't even have time to talk about because you have she has really great posts that define a lot of terms around these patterns and then short videos that give a, give that definition. And there's just a, it's a way to start doing a deeper dive.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So you can get, you can get to Instagram from the link tree. You can get to my website from the link tree. You can um, give, you know, leave your email address and I will update with uh, any publishing updates on the book. That's about it. You will, no one will be getting like spam emails. I've
0: yeah, you're, yeah, that's you're not, not you're that's not, not at what the spam that's fest. For. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: No. Awesome. Well thank you for joining me. We'll talk Absolutely. again soon.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it so much.
0: Thank you for joining me for today's episode. I hope you found things of benefit here. If so, please consider giving the show a positive review. Such feedback is not only great to hear, um, it also really helps elevate the show so that others can find benefit from it. Please stay tuned. More episodes, some great guests on the way so that we can together discover these true life prizes and daily life. Take care.